welcome to Simply Cyber Live, the YouTube channel designed to help you make and take a cybersecurity career further, faster. Now, if you want to learn how to be a pen tester or learn red teaming, yes, you can do labs, you can, you can hack the box, you can do all these things, but truly learning from a mentor, learning from someone who has walked that walk and can show you exactly how to do that is all about what Phil Wiley is you know, all about and who we'll be talking to today. I am so, so excited to talk to Phil and bring a whole host of all the things that he is involved with to your uh, attention. Because as I was researching Phil, I mean, I know Phil from the community, but like, as I was researching for this episode, I was blown away by just how many activities, projects, and um, you know, collaborations he's involved with. So it's really, really cool. Now, really quick, if you don't know Phil, that's his beautiful picture, but he is a passionate offensive security professional with over two decades of information technology and cybersecurity experience with specialties, including penetration testing and application security. And when he's not hacking, he's educating others about pen testing and web app pen testing at the college level. I got to talk to Phil a little bit before the show, and it's obvious that he is passionate about education, helping others, and just really developing and giving back to the community. So stay with us. We're going to get into it with Phil. Maybe he did wrestle a bear. I don't know. We'll find out when we ask him. Come on. Hey, Phil, thanks for joining us today. How are you? Great, Gerald. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be joining you for the first time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And crispy, crispy camera. I like that. Good audio. You, you know a thing or two about making good content. I can tell just from the setup. Yeah, this is kind of probably some of my newer endeavors, but uh, yeah, I've kind of invested some money last year during the pandemic to get a good camera and mic and, and set up, so... Yeah, it certainly helps, especially with all this remote workforce. So, so Phil, let's let's get right into it. As far as um, you know, you know, the title of this talk was modern pen testing, right? Um, you know, I guess kind of break it down for us. What is kind of the current state of affairs with uh, red team operations penetration testing, and kind of you could take it in any direction you want because there are a lot of different factors at play. Yeah, it's a a broad open field. I mean, there's a lot of areas that there haven't received much coverage, but are have been used for a while. Just like, I think we were kind of behind uh, the eight ball when it comes to like cloud pen testing, there's lots of pen testers out there, but there's not, not a ton of cloud pen testers. So some of the newer technologies or, you know, that's been around for a while that were widely used is cloud. So you're seeing a lot more cloud pen testing, a lot more of the API pen testing, uh, IOT and those sort of things. So one thing to think about is as technology evolves, we need to test those uh, products and, and technologies. And even as different products come out, manufacturers really need to do their due diligence and perform testing against those technologies to make sure they're secure. Because one of the things you'd never would have thought of with uh, like medical devices, like insulin pumps or pacemakers, you would have never thought someone would try to hack those and they built those without considering security and then people kind of realize well that's a mistake and uh you know a lot of times like it you know people developers and it and all sorts of other areas a lot of times they forget the security piece and so it's that been that way for man manufacturing as well your autonomous vehicles you know these self-driving vehicles and stuff you need these need to be tested you know you kind of go back 20 years ago there really wasn't as many different technologies that really need to be def defended or assessed but you know, as time goes on, we're going to add more and more 
technology and who knows what we'll have next, you know, so it's a broad field. It's funny, you know, you mentioned a lot of great things there and you mentioned cloud pen testing. And just as a a quick shout out, because he's a good friend of mine, uh, John Helmus wrote a a book on AWS pen testing uh, that's worth checking out if you guys are interested in digging in to that particular uh, arena. Oh, we got a copy right there. There it is. That's that's the book. Yeah, John. John is an excellent pen tester and a great uh, resource to the community. In fact, you probably spoke with him at uh, Texas Cyber Summit just last uh, last month there, right? Yeah, we got to meet for the first time in, in in person. We met last year during the pandemic. We both uh, spoke at the the Red Team uh, Village at DEF CON. So yeah, John and I are friends. We've known each other for, I don't know, going on a year and a half, two years. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. Same here. So let me let me just dig into that for a second, though, Phil. Like I, you know, when people ask me, like, "Hey, where should I where should I start, or what should I do?" or you know, I've been dabbling. What do I do? And I say, cloud. You know, cloud is kind of a, a, a relatively new paradigm, right? It's been it's been around for a few years, but you know, for for you with two decades of experience, with me with you know close to two decades, cloud didn't exist, so not all skills are transferable. How how much is um, traditional penetration testing uh, skills and, and such transferable into cloud and how much is new uh, that you would need to develop um, as a new skill set? A lot of it's transferable. You know, you may use some different tools, just like when we're going to do web app pen testing, we're going to use Burp Suite and there's still some other tools that you can use in both places. But for the most part, a lot of the tools are going to be similar. There's some uh, some different specialty tools and then you'll have to understand the technologies of cloud, some of the other applications they use to uh, create new servers and environments. Those are, it's basically kind of the applications in that environment that you have to to learn. And then uh, with you know the, the the Microsoft stuff, if you have a little bit of Active Directory experience, then Azure, you know, you'll be able to apply some of that towards there. So a lot of those skills are going to be kind of similar, but you got to learn cloud and understand that technology. And it's like pen testing anything else. You have mm-hmm. to understand the technology before you can use it, before you could defend it, and before you can try to break into it. So understanding that. So once you kind of understand the basics going forward, you can learn how to pen test anything. And one of the new things that I've been seeing a little more of, and I know like Black Hills does some of it, and Bo Bullock does a uh, a, a stream, or they did like a, a workshop or stream a while back, and he was talking about blockchain pen testing. So as these new technologies evolve, people have to be able to, to test those. So, and I say, as far as a place to start, uh, number one, pick things that you're interested in, you know, find something you're interested in because yep. you're going to be passionate about it. You're going to do a better job learning, but also at the same time too, if you've got a background in in cloud, then cloud pen testing is going to make sense. If you have an experience with web development, then web app pen testing is going to make the most sense to start out in those areas because you already have a base knowledge there and that's going to be very usable. You go to interview somewhere and you're going to interview for a cloud pen testing role, having the pen testing experience is going to help because before I became a pen tester, uh, I worked in AppSec for probably about eight years or so and I knew about application security, running vulnerability scanners, but I didn't have the hacking part that was needed to be a pen tester, although I got a job, but you know, I had a lot of the skills needed to build upon. So I just had to add that missing piece. And that's where a lot of people are. If you're working in it or security, it's just a matter of learning uh, some pen testing skills. Yeah. I mean, well, okay. So two things, one, um, I want to ask you about this for for the longest time I have, 
um, said, you know, because a lot of people say, I want to work in cybersecurity. And then the next obvious question is, well, what, what do you want to do? I mean, that's like a very broad question. And, you know, half the time they, they're, they're, they stumble backwards and they didn't realize that they needed a specific area. I always say that penetration testing or offensive security, if you want to kind of generalize it, I said it's the sexiest bit of cybersecurity, right? Like GRC is kind of looked down upon as boring and compliance driven and blue team is fun, but it, it can be a grind and red team is the sexy thing. I, wa I want your thoughts as someone who has been in the industry for a very long time and very, very intimate with how red team operations offensive sec goes. Is it really sexy or am I, is that a, is that a, a, a myth that I'm just perpetuating? <laughs> I think it's uh, maybe not, not a complete myth, but maybe kind of exaggerated. I mean, because it just, it seems really cool. So like if you're doing like PCI pen testing, most cases you're not going to be doing any kind of social engineering. You're not going to be doing any kind of physical assessments, trying to gain access to buildings and that sort of thing. It's usually going to be, you're doing network pen tests or it could be application too. You're doing segmentation scanning. And the thing a lot of people don't take in consideration is if you don't like report writing, that's a big part of it. You know, you've got to write reports. There's pieces that are not fun. Uh, if you're if you're not a night person, sometimes you have to work late hours because uh, you need to test after hours not to take down production systems. So there's some things about it that's not as much fun. It just seems a lot more cooler in person. I mean, that's kind of like anything else. If you see and what people are going to share, you know, they're trying to sell courses or books and things they are going to sell the cool part about it and not necessarily some of the hard work and, and things that go into it. Because another thing, for instance, uh, a lot of your pen testers are going to be performing pen tests and you find some TLS or SSL related issues with cryptography, then you have to go back and validate those findings and it can be very tedious and you're going to find a bunch of them on your pen test and it's kind of boring. And that's one of the things. So there's things about every job that are not very enjoyable, but one of the things I'll say too, of a lot of the areas of security, there are some areas of security that you're not writing a lot of reports. It's not report heavy, but pen testing, you know, that's a big part of your job. Yeah. Jeremiah Parker <laughs> joins in that pen testing is the most boring fun he's ever had at work. Uh, <laughs> well, well put, well put. Um, so, you know, speaking of, well, actually another question that I, I have, I see some questions getting queued up, so we'll definitely get to it. If you have a question for Phil, just drop it in chat with the queue at the beginning. So I know it's for, for us to, to take. Uh, another thing that I, walk around beating my chest promoting is enable multi-factor authentication put it on everything how 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 often is multi-factor authentication stopping or slowing you down phil at, at work yeah as far as the pen testing perspective yeah that's going to slow things down if it's in place but i'm, I'm definitely there with you you need to to uh use multi-factor even in your personal life because you see so many people that they're that their social media accounts get hacked and if they'd used or their Gmail accounts get hacked, if they would have used multi-factor, they could have avoided that. So I definitely think it's a, it's a good thing there. There's some hackers that can, you know, really good pen testers and, and uh, you know, cyber criminals that can get around certain things, but you know, the more, the more barriers you put up, the harder it is for someone to get in. And, you know, and that's even, like you, you perform these pen tests and you do purple teaming and red teaming engagements that you're going through trying to make things more secure. Someone that's a nation state may be able to get past some of these things, but you're, you're, you know, you're eliminating uh, other potential attackers that won't be able to get through. So the more 
the more secure we can make things and, you know, stronger passwords. And as you mentioned, the, the multi-factor authentication, the better it is. I mean, you may, there may be some things that are uh, only a few can get through, but if you got those in place, then you're at least taking a big portion of attackers out of the picture. And that's one of the things I'm a big fan of purple teaming because, you know, mm-hmm. purple teaming, you're in there, the, the pen testers are working with the blue team. They're trying to ex- execute Mimikatz on a workstation, seeing if it can happen to begin with. If you're able to run certain PowerShell scripts, if you could take some of the tools out of the hands of the, the attackers, maybe all you stop is the script kitty, but you're, you're you know, eliminate, you know, help reducing a number of attackers in, the, you know, certain categories. So anything you can add or test to, to prevent, you know, those type of attackers, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. So Jerry has a question, um, also Jerry, spelled differently, um, you know, running through this. Uh, can you pen test a SAS, SAS app? Yes, yeah. And we're talking SAS or SAAS software as a service? Yeah, that's what I would assume, something like Dropbox or, uh, you know, yeah, you, you can know, test. You can, yeah, you can test those because at the end of the day, if it's got a web interface, it's a web application back in as some sort of infrastructure where they're, you know, from that instance, it's cloud hosted more than likely. So uh, if you really want to break things down to simplicity, it's either going to be network or application mm-hmm. a- APIs. So yeah, you can test that. So another question uh, Jerry had was, uh, you know, brief overview, um, you know, it doesn't have to be the entire CV of 20 years, but, you know, I guess, how, how'd you break into pen testing? And, you know, I guess, what, what do you say to someone who, who bumps into you and says, Phil, I really like what you're doing. How do I get there? Yeah, I actually wrote a book on it. And, but uh, one of the things I, I, I did, how I got started was I actually started out as a, a CAD drafter. I was doing drafting and that's where I found out about IT. And I found out that, you know, the people, the sysadmins, our companies were hiring to come in, were billing twice the bill rate we were. So, which I knew they were making about twice as much money and it seemed a lot more interesting. So I taught myself how to build computers, took a Nobel netware CNE certification course and oh. got a job as a sysadmin, spent about six years as a sysadmin, uh, moved into operations or network security for uh, about a year and a half and then moved over to application security. But out of my career, before I got into pen testing, one of the most helpful things I did was the sysadmin background, knowing how Active Directory works, knowing how, uh, you know, the different operating systems works, very helpful. So kind of like I mentioned before, you need to know how to, uh, you know, use the technology, administer, defend before you can break into it. So the more you understand, the better you'll mm-hmm. be. I got some really good friends and some know some other good pen testers that they do, a, they'll do a lot of reading before they do a certain pen test, they find a new technology they hadn't worked with, then they bring themselves up to speed. So kind of more, uh, you know, background that you have or more experience with different technologies, the better pen tester you're, you're going to be. And so you just have to really understand those to be able to, to get started. So that's kind of where I started, you know, sysadmin, uh, network security, AppSec, and then into pen testing. As far as uh, bug bounties go, that's another thing that I feel like we talk about in the community is like anyone can be signed up for a bug bounty. You can have zero experience and, you know, get, you know, be a professional hacker or a professional, you know, offensive security person, if you want to call it that. Um, where do you stand on bug bounties as a, a practical entry point for for folks? I definitely think it's good experience because I used to be a bug crowd ambassador back in 2018, one of the mm-hmm. first ambassadors that they brought on. 
And part of the reason I got into it was through my teaching and different things in the community, trying to help people get started in pen testing. And it's a good place to get experience. And just kind of before I get any further than this, I was talking to a hiring manager last year for a uh, boutique pen testing firm. And he was telling me that it's a lot easier to find web app pen testers because of bug bounty. So you're actually getting, you know, live production. You know, you could be testing some environments that are development, but you're actually testing real systems opposed to something on, on like a try hack mirror hack the box. Although that's very useful experience, but when you can get actual production experience with an application, you know, or environment, you know, production environment, then the better experience. And so one of the things I would look at too, is if you get in those programs, then you get invited to some of their private programs, which mm -hmm, uh, yeah. there's usually less testers on it. So more likelihood of finding bugs. And then also some people like bug crowd and I believe hacker one does it in Synac. They do like pen tests where they'll bring you in to do a pen test, although you're doing it through a bug crowd, a bug bounty company. And although Synac, I think they've kind of changed where uh, there's a more, there's a more in line with the pen testing, but there's also like cobalt cobalt's another mm -hmm. good one. Cobalt yep. pays about 1500 bucks per pen test which is not a lot for pen tester, but for side work, you know, once you learn how to do web app pen testing and can pass their, uh, their, their technical challenge, cause they'll give you something to pen test to prove your skills. Once you get past that, you're getting uh, pen test work. And so that's one of the, one of the ones I'm a big fan of, because I mean, you get in there, you're performing those pen tests, even like bug bounty back to your original question, you know, getting that experience, you're going to be able to explain on a job interview, how to do web app pen testing and so, uh, so yeah, I definitely recommend that experience. One of the things people can run into is when you're trying to do the bug bounties, uh, when you start finding bugs, you might find duplicates and mm -hmm. it means you're not going to get paid for it. But at the end of the day, you found a bug. So if you're on a standalone pen test, you're going to be only one pen testing. So you found bugs. So you're gaining valuable experience. Yeah. And talking points at an interview, no doubt uh, on top of that. Yes. Uh, Arcanite, uh, thanks for the question. He, he's basically got the CompTIA tree, uh, triad here uh, in studying Linux Plus. Uh, keeping this focused to uh, the red side of the house, if you will, Phil. You know what's a good what's a good cert next? And I saw Zach, I saw Zach in 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 chat here talking about the bear. So I've got some thoughts, but I'd love your perspective on uh, what what Arcanite could do next. Something next next ones you, that you have there that you go to. Uh you know, you're doing the CompTIA stuff, uh, you know, sometimes you want to diversify your, your certifications, but Pentest Plus would be a good one. Uh, that was, that would be good. The EJPT certification from INE, the, the content, the course is free. You just have to pay for the cert. That'd be a good option. And then Heath's uh, new certification, his practical Pentester certification through his TCM Academy, that would be a good one. That one is starting to get Certifications get a lot of adoption. Even the company mm -hmm. Tenable that makes Nessus recently had his certification on there is one of the possible certifications that they're looking for. And I'm seeing more people that are having his certifications on there. And uh, so something like that would be good. If, you know, if you're wanting to get into pen testing, but if you're, if you're wanting to look at other areas of cybersecurity uh, and not specialize in pen testing, maybe the CYSA plus might be good. And one of the things I like about CompTIA is the way all of it builds on each other. Cause actually when I was teaching at Dallas college, I uh, moved over my textbook from uh, Georgia Weedman's book to using the Pentest plus book. Part of that was so students could get a certification, but also like the way I looked at some of the other CompTIA content 
and saw how it kind of built at some, you know, some of the other uh, like sec plus you're already hearing about security assessments and stuff. Maybe you're not doing it, but along the certification path, you're starting to learn some stuff. And so I really like that you got that base, the A plus and network plus and security plus. That's a good base to, to get into security. And I know about three years ago when my wife was trying to get into uh, digital forensics, some of the hiring managers were, were telling me that uh, the certs they look for is network plus and security plus. Yeah, you know, like just to kind of carry on with this conversation, um, how much are you seeing, at least, you know, from your perspective, how much are you seeing where certifications are very important versus good to have versus gatekeeper uh, versus practical skill experience? Yeah, I think the, the the biggest advantage I see is sometimes getting your foot in the door of the interview because maybe you don't have experience or that much experience and sometimes certifications are a way to sort through the resumes and, mm. and select people. One of the things I'll say is you don't have to have the certifications if you can get the interviews. And that's where networking comes into play. You know, yeah. make sure you're building connections on LinkedIn, uh, in the physical community, going to different cybersecurity meetup groups, uh, going to conferences and stuff. If you really network well, uh, that will get your resume in there and you can bypass some of the the HR filters that you run in trying to right trying to apply going through the normal application process because uh, I worked for when I went, first went to work for US Bank I'd also applied for a job at Bank of America and I had all the certifications everything that was required and I had like this is coming off with you know five years of dedicated pen testing experience uh, consulting experience which should have been more enough more than enough but I didn't even get an interview, got the job at U S bank. And then a year later, after I was there, I got an email from a recruiter and it's just, they finally ran across my resume. And when someone's like an experienced professional with, with, you know, I had the OSCP SANS GWAPT cert CISSP had all that and didn't get the interview originally through them. So that just kind of goes to show how these systems are, are kind of uh, you know, it depends if you know how, to game the system and figure out the keywords and all that sort of thing. Maybe you'll have a better chance, but I've found that networking is a, a better opportunity. So some companies are going to re require uh, certifications. Consulting is, is more prevalent because they're trying to sell their customer on why you should, they should uh, purchase the services from that company. They're wanting to see that, you know, the defensive security certs, even some of the, the DOD certs, if it's a government project, or if you're working for the government, some of the DOD list of certs they look for. But out in the, you know, you, it's interesting to look at some of the large boutique pen testing firms, some of them that are really highly skilled, they're not so much looking for certifications, although it's a good thing, they're basically selling that they get, have highly skilled individuals. I mean, I know a lot of really good pen testers, some of the best in the industry, they have zero certifications. So, I mean, mm -hmm. certification is a more way to get your foot in the door what employers are, are requiring. And I think a lot of your normal internal pen testing jobs that are non consulting jobs. You know, I think if you get your foot in an interview in your foot in the door and get an interview and do well in the interview, you can get the job without having the certification. It's just getting, you know, your resume to the right person. Absolutely. I can't, 
I can't echo enough how, you know, I, I say it all the time, how valuable networking is. And, and, you know, the thing is a lot of times I feel like people uh, try to, if you go with the mindset that I'm going to network to get a job, then that's kind of at the forefront of your mind and you're missing, you're missing the bigger picture of why you're networking. Uh, and in the job will, you know, the op- those opportunities will present themselves. You just, you have to kind of become part of the community, contribute to the community, consume from the community. So one question James asks, uh, James, uh, been with, been with Simply Cyber for a while. Uh, I'll, I'll, he has a, a lot here, but I'll sum it up. Like, how, how do you keep all the commands straight, Phil? Like, uh, you know, how, are you using the same tool all the time? Do you use Google all the time? Like, how are you keeping the commands straight when you're executing? Yeah, one of the things I do is, you know, like I, I use Nmap all the time. It's one of the tools I'm constantly using. So the tools I constantly use, there still may be notes that I keep for things that I don't always do. And I highly recommend notes because you may be going through a pen test and you find something that you need to exploit or a way to validate that it's not a false positive. You need to keep notes. So I do a lot of note keeping. Uh, I, my favorite note taking tool is Evernote because it's cloud-based, you know, you, they got a mobile app and it's interesting because I actually used it one time to evade uh, some endpoint protection to get a, a pen testing tool into a, a project I was doing. I was consulting at this for this customer and I went to their site and their endpoint protection, their EDR uh, system was preventing me from downloading the Windows credential editor and I couldn't download it from their site and I tried VPN VPN VPNing into uh, my employer's website and they were blocking it. So I went out on my mobile phone, found Windows credential editor and was able to attach it in Evernote in an Evernote note. And so I was able to open up Evernote and download the tool from within Evernote to bypass that. Uh, But back on the topic, uh, I will keep my notes in there. So now if you're doing pen testing for a company, you want to be careful where you're putting customer information like passwords, Mm -hmm. usernames and that stuff. So you want to be careful where you're hosting that. You may want to keep that somewhere local and more safe than in the cloud. But yeah, I I take a lot of notes and I use Google a lot. And that's one of the things, once you get the basics of pen testing down, then you, you, something new comes along, a new application or a new technology, then Google is your best friend. Be able to, being able to research is a major skill to have no matter where you work in. IT or security, red team, blue team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny um, how how valuable Google is. You know, I, I've been, uh, you know, working in the field for a while now. And like, I still, I, I was just doing it yesterday. I still have to Google how to create a Python virtual environment and activate it every single time. I, I had to do it three times yesterday and I had to Google it all three times. Same here. Like, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? So, uh, but hey, I, I do want to point out that you heard it here first, people. Evernote is a hacking tool, uh, you know, pr- propagated by Phil Wiley. Um, so, okay, uh, Phil, you know, Professor Black Ops has a really interesting question that I'd love to know the answer. Zero Trust name, Architecture. Oh, Professor Black Ops, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, so zero trust networking is supposed to be like the wave of the future, the paradigm to solve the problems. Uh, how, how are you seeing, well, is anyone implementing it? And if they are, have you been on an engagement to, in like, what's it done for pen testing? Yeah, I'm not 100% sure that I've been on a pen testing engagement that they had that implemented, but just like everything else, uh, there's going to be misconfiguration somewhere, 
you know, in a lot of cases, if someone implements zero trust, it's more than likely in an older legacy environment and maybe some things got missed. So yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, worry about that because, you know, there's always these things are supposed to be unhackable or certain configurations and stuff, but yeah, there's always going to be configuration misconfigurations and weak passwords and stuff. And then if that doesn't work, then social engineering, but yeah, it has, haven't really slowed me down. Although, you know, some of your endpoint protections they're coming out with, they're, you know, be able to block tools a little bit more. That's getting a lot better than what it used to be when I was starting out, you know, back when I was getting started in pen testing in 2012, you didn't have to do much for evasion to get around antivirus or endpoint protections, but, uh, now it's a lot more difficult. Yeah, Cyberlola, no such thing as unhackable. Just that is true. harder to hack. Harder yeah, that to makes hack. that makes me think back to John McAfee years ago with the uh, some uh, Bitcoin wallet or something. He said that was unhackable, and my, you know, it's uh, didn't take long for it to get hacked. You tell people with hacking skills it's unhackable. It's like daring them to do it. And so if you oh, want yeah. if you want to get hacked, tell people it can't be hacked. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The worst, the worst thing a CISO could possibly say in the media is that uh, we're 100% secure. Uh, yeah. you're, you're definitely, we saw that too with, uh, do you remember LifeLock? I think they still exist. Yeah. But yes. Life, LifeLock CEO said that his social security number was like un, unbreakable, not unbreakable, but like it was secured. And then there was like 14 people with his social security number like the next week. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So I see people in chat um, really talking about, your book, uh, Pen Tester Blueprint. I know you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but you know some people in here have already read it. Some people are starting to read it. I know uh, Base, thank you, uh, dropped a link to the Amazon uh, for getting the book. Can you kind of just tell us a little bit about the book and like who's it for and what would people get out of it if they read it? Yeah, it's in, to kind of share a little bit of uh, background where the book came from. Uh, when I was teaching at Dallas College, uh, each semester I would do a talk on becoming a pen tester and some of the other adjunct professors or well, some of the full-time professors at the college would ask me to come in and speak to their cybersecurity students about becoming a pen tester. And I gave that talk first time in January of 2018 by November of 2018, I turned it into a conference talk and gave that talk at B sides Dallas, Fort worth. And prior to even getting into, to, uh, teaching, I used to, I would mentor a lot of people and people would ask me how to get into pen testing. And I saw that there was a need for a book because there's a lot of great books on pen testing. I mean, just like you mentioned John's book for cloud pen testing, but you got to understand, uh, you know, kind of lost my train of thought there, but, uh, oh, you're not, just talking about, yeah. No, I know. Chat, chat can be. Chat can get you. Uh, yeah. You were basically just saying you gave the talk in 2018. You you, yeah. you 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 converted it into a talk because it you know people were really interested in it. Yeah, saw the need for it because yeah, they got. I remember now where I was at. Saw Josh Mason's comment. Hey, Josh. But uh, at any rate, what I was seeing is there's all these great books on becoming a pen tester, but people didn't know what the prerequisite knowledge was that they needed to become a pen tester. You know, they didn't realize that we need to. Uh, you know, understand networking, understand operating systems that you need to understand the technology piece. And then some of the resources, because the thing is when you're trying to get into security and you've got no friends that are in that industry, 
no mentors, then it's up to you to try to find good content and not all of the content out there is good or you, and you know, you want to save your time using uh, useful content opposed to just trying to figure things out. And so in the book, we even share some resources and certifications that are helpful for learning prerequisite knowledge. And so that that's kind of where that book came from. Just, I saw the need and it's kudos to people like yourself that the book that you uh, recently came out with that you co-authored with John and Jax on getting into security. Alyssa Miller came out with a book similarly, you know, those books were missing, you know, a few years ago on how to get into the industry. There was tons of stuff on how to do that particular thing. And it's also too, you know, we have a lot of people going in non-traditional ways to cybersecurity, mm-hmm. going the certification route or self-study. And so those kind of books are, are very helpful. And that's where I kind of saw the need to that. And I was in the tribe of hackers red team book and I'd shared on LinkedIn about that. And Jim uh, Minitel from Wiley publishing reached out to me, asked me if I was interested in writing a book. And I was really considering writing a book based on my conference talk. So that's kind of how that came about. And the audience is for people trying to get started. One of the things I like to always share with folks, because uh, from some of the reviews that I've seen, some people have bought the book thinking it's going to teach you pen testing, but basically it's kind of teaching you the prerequisites, some good resources and that sort of thing. As far as trying to get started, it's not teaching pen testing in the book. It's kind of, kind of the starting point. Yeah. And I think that that really serves a, 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 that really serves a, 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 an area that needed to be addressed, right? Like I feel personally, and you can dispute this or, or agree. I feel at least, up until a few years ago, like all of the online material, all of the education, all of the resources were almost exclusively focused on teaching penetration testing skills. It was all about like, here's how you hack this, or this is how you can pop this or whatever. A few years ago, the blue team started getting more, you know, mature cyber ranges and SaaS products and stuff like that. But by and large, it was all about like, here's how you pen test like this thing, this thing, this thing. And I I feel like there was no There was no prerequisite understanding and there was no kind of um, way that you can organize all of these different skills because learning how to like do SCADA hacking doesn't help you if you work at a bank or something. I mean, it could, but like for the most part, it's not. Or if you work for a cloud provider and you're going to do web app pen testing, like you could learn that skill and it not really be practical. So kind of helping people organize it. And I feel like that's another thing. Like people in our industry, like we've been so involved for so long that it's obvious to us how to uh, organize you know, these different disciplines, these different skills and what tiers they're at and stuff like that. And for people on the outside looking in, they all look, everything looks the same. You have no kind of understanding of prioritization or arrangement. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you, uh, you know, built that book to serve that need in that audience. So, um, good on you. And, and thanks to, um, uh, chat here. I see people dropping links. Uh, so go check out Phil's book for sure. Uh, Russ, Russell had a question. I'm curious on your thoughts too. You know, you mentioned teaching at the college. I know you have a passion for education. You know, is there a transferable value that you got from being in academia that has helped you in your career? Is from as far as a skill standpoint, not so much because basically, you know, some of the basic stuff you're going to get more practice with it teaching, but the skills I gained from teaching have been very helpful. I mean, I was wanting to speak at conferences and I spoke at my first one in 2015, but I was just trying to find topics to present on. And then once I started teaching, it's like, you know, people want to learn to pen test. So 
speaking on those type of topics were helpful for me. So it gave me a whole different area to, to speak on and do workshops and teaching outside of the normal classroom. So, and then the, the speaking skills you gain, I mean, I went through Toastmasters to help me gain my confidence to speak in person, but lecturing all the time makes it easier to pivot over to, you know, content creation and, you know, speaking at conferences and that sort of thing, because, you know, when you're lecturing, one or two days a week, then you're getting speaking experience. You know, when someone that's in a pre pandemic world, most people didn't speak at conferences more than like once a month or a couple of conferences a month. But with teaching, when you're constantly, you're teaching weekly for, for years on end, you get a lot of speaking experience. So I'd say communication skills and just uh, mentoring skills. I gained a lot more mentoring skills because uh, and refine those skills from dealing with more people. You know, because I got exposure from teaching as well as just the conference talks and involvement in the community. So the the teaching stuff really helped me the most. Now, if it's someone coming in that if you were a teacher in a college, maybe you've been te- teaching SEC Plus for a while and you start teaching Pentest Plus, you're going to pick up stuff that would help you as a pen tester. You know, you may need to get some hands-on experience with it, but those things help. Yeah. All right. I like it. Uh, Phil, uh, we do do giveaways on Simply Cyber live streams. Um, I want to I wanna do a giveaway, if that's okay with you. We sure. actually have uh, two things to give away, which I'm really, really excited about. Uh, one is compliments of Cyber Supply Drop, uh, you know, the work that Josh is doing over there mm-hmm. to help everybody. They, are, they have donated a Linux 101 course on TCM Academy. Uh, so we'll raffle that off in a second. And also a member of the Simply Cyber community, uh, Russell Brinson, who is in chat right now, has also donated a um, TCM Academy course. I, I believe it's going to be, uh, you'll have to connect with Russell directly um, in order to get that. But let me, um, let me, let me show you guys what, what you need to do in order to enter the raffle. Sorry, I'm getting a phone call here (laughs) so here is the there is it there it is so drop it in the squad it drop the squad in chat and you'll enter and while we're doing that if you can answer this question phil what is your opinion on automation in pen testing so yes is one one that i get a lot and people are constantly asking if uh ai or machine learning is going to to uh affect it and i think it's really going to augment and help pen testers. I think what you're going to do eventually at first is you're going to have tools that are going to make your job easier. There's things like some of the, you know, low hanging fruit, easy to find vulnerabilities that it's just going to make that easier and, you know, help automate some of the things that are tedious tasks. So I think it's going to help pen testers. I don't think it's going to replace them, but also to being a pen tester, you can help with that automation. And and as pen testers will write scripts and things, just like you got John Hammond's uh, actually it was that actually, uh, Tiberius has auto recon, which is a script that he built to automate pen testing. And there's other schools, other tools like LinPs and WinPs that help automate things. So as far as like the AI and stuff, I think once people get experience with that, maybe some practitioners may be able to build, you know, things similar to like a script, but build some of these little tools. But I think it's really just going to help people to begin with, because it's like with web app pen testing, you're not going to replace the pen tester because there's some business logic and that goes into these applications. You could be using the exact same uh, programming languages, the exact version of, you know, Java servers, backends, 
you can have everything identical, but the business logic may be arranged differently. And so you'll find vulnerabilities there. But I think AI and machine learning are going to help augment those. There's still going to be cases where you'll need to know how to do manual pen testing. I think it's going to make our job easier. But as new technology comes out, humans has to teach the machine how to test it. So yeah, definitely. those are my thoughts. Like a, a resource that can support you, not replace you. Yes. Yeah. Guys, keep on going. Hashtag the squad if you want in on these. Um, did I spell squad wrong? No. Why does that look weird? Is that correct? S-Q-U-A-D. Yeah. That looks right to me. Actually, yeah. You always comes after Q. I don't know why that looks so wrong. Yeah. If you want to get these TCM Academy courses uh, for free, go ahead and enter hashtag the squad into chat right now and you will win. We'll, we'll ask one more question and then we'll draw our winner. So you got a few more minutes here uh, before it is too late. So um, let me see here. Let me, let me drop this. Phil, I wanted to get your thoughts here on log4j right so this has been you know the vulnerability that everyone's talking about you know i did a video on simply cyber john hammonds has done you know amazing stuff for the community put that huntress tool out but we're not hearing we're seeing exploitation we're seeing scanning we're seeing probing but we're not hearing of any massive you know you know capital one lost a million dollars or this crypto exchange went down uh this nation state is screwed do you have any, what are your thoughts around log4j as a viable, um, you know, entry point into exploiting an environment? I think it's, I think part of what we're seeing is maybe some companies have been exploited, but they just haven't realized it yet. And, and also it's kind of interesting that Tinkersack on Twitter brought up something recently. And one of the things he said to watch for is if you notice on your, all of a sudden that some of your systems have been patched for log4j and you didn't patch them, that it could be an attacker. The attacker may have got a foothold in and they want to secure the environment to prevent someone else to getting in on, you know, on their, uh, their hack. So that's kind of an interesting thought, but I think a lot of it too is just developing different exploits and, you know, it's working, it's used in different software packages. So I think that's just kind of what's going on now. People are trying to develop, you know, exploits for it. So I think, I think we're not seeing as much, but I think that it, for systems that aren't patched, I think we'll see more of that coming up because, you know, like some applications, you can't just patch right away or you break things. So I think there, I think we'll probably see more of that down the line. I think it's just a matter of attackers building, building tools out to work against those different environments and software. So, so, so should we assume that if a threat actor ransomware is your environment, it's actually, uh, you could be invoiced for professional services for patching your, your equipment. It's not really a ransom. It's just uh, professional services, cap, you know, uh, yeah, operational that's, expense. That's an interesting idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's too funny. Right, I did see so something somewhere. Yeah. I didn't really, I don't, I just saw the headline. I didn't read into it very much, but I saw something that of uh, some ransomware group that would Conti was looking, was starting to use log 4 J interesting I, i'm not surprised i mean it's it's right there um it's right there so why why wouldn't they use it all right so let's let's just do a quick uh drawing we're going to be doing two one for linux 101 and then one for um a you know tcm academy your choice uh compliments of uh russell brinson so russell thank you for that okay let's do this i've got sound effects and everything so let's get ready C good luck to everybody
Oh, well. <laughs> Great job, D-A-U-D-1-2-3. You won the Linux 101 from TC Academy compliments of um, uh, Cyber Supply Drop. And for the other uh, one, I, I really don't... TCM Academy, um, uh, your choice, compliments of Russell Brinson. So let us, uh, you know, like move that. Uh, just connect with me on uh, Discord and I will get you both uh, your uh, your prizes or I'll connect you with Russell for, for the, uh, Paul for the other one. So, uh, Phil, let me ask you, um, Jer Jerry had a great question here. What's, what's the hardest thing you experience as a pen tester? What, what, are, what, what are some of the pain points? What are some of the challenges that you regularly encounter? I'd say probably one of the hardest things, uh, you know, because one of the things with pen testing, just like any other area of security is keeping up with the technology because things are constantly evolving. That could be a challenge, but some of the hardest things, and this is not really daily, but one of the hardest things you will experience as a pen tester is like when you're doing report review meetings, and sometimes you have, uh, you know, it could be a customer, it could be a, an employee of the same company that you're doing the report review or readout meeting on the pen test. Sometimes people will challenge your pen test results. Mm. And sometimes they, they take it personally because, you know, some people put, you know, not only security folks are passionate about what they do. Sometimes IT people are, and they put all this effort into securing the system and you find a vulnerability or you hack into something and they don't believe it's possible, then that could be difficult to, to deal with. And one of the ways I find best to deal with that, and that's a lot of cases, you, you know, it's not all the time, but I would say one in every 10 pen, 10 pen tests, just guesstimating you're going to come up with someone difficult. That's going to challenge the results, not thinking they're true because, you know, they spend a hard, you know, a lot of time trying to get the, the environment secure. And then some cases it's just like they want, they don't want that on the report because it makes them look bad and they challenge and try to get you to take it off. So uh, the way I do that is when I go into the meetings, I always let the blue team or development folks or IT people know that we're on the same team, that we're working together. And my pen test reports, I like to call out things that they're doing that are exceptional that, you know, uh, when I've done pen tests for companies and they had really strong physical security, even though I didn't test that, I will put notes in the report to show them things they're doing good. Because otherwise, if you're coming in, I found this, I found this, they feel like they take it personally and they're being attacked. And we're all humans. You know, you don't want to give them a bunch of bad news. So if you mention some things they're doing good and then kind of, you know, set the expectations that we're on the same team, I'm not trying to make you look bad. I'm trying to help you secure your environment. That goes a long way. Just the, the relationship piece. And during, during the pen test, you know, uh, as pen testers, sometimes it's awesome to get to hack into stuff, you know, getting to pwn things is still fun, but, uh, you don't want to, you, you want to be a good winner. So you don't want to go in, uh, rubbing it in their face. So make sure that you're going in, uh, being professional about it, you know, being sympathetic that they understand that they may not be happy about it, but also at the same time, make sure you're, you know, you've got good notes on how you found the vulnerability or how you exploit the vulnerability that should be in your report. And you may just even have some notes aside from that. That way you're prepared to defend your pen test report. Because sometimes you feel like a lawyer when you go into, you're trying to defend your client, you're trying to defend your pen test report, letting them know that I did this and this and this to find that. So 
Yeah, you definitely want it to be more uh, collaborative and less adversarial, which which I think is actually one of the underlying secret missions of purple teaming or the idea of just calling it purple teaming so everybody's on the same team. Um, Phil, I, I definitely want to spend some time talking about all of these wonderful projects that you're involved with. I, I see Hacker Maker on Twitch. I see Philip Wiley on YouTube. Uh, I know you're doing Pwn School. Um, can, can you kind of talk in, in DC 940, uh, Texas Cybersecurity Summit you were involved with? Can you kind of tell us about some of the projects that you're involved with, what they are? And, you know, to, like tell us how to how to get there or, or people can drop it in chat. Sure. Uh, Pwn School actually came out of the, or the Pwn School project, the long form of the name, came out of the need for some of my students first semester. The college I taught at, we only had one offensive security course and they wanted to further their education and they're asking how they could do that. And so I thought about getting together, you know, with the students on the weekend and just kind of teaching outside of the school. And, uh, you know, I kind of thought about that towards the end of the semester, but didn't follow through. Then I had some students that were going to another local college. They had to transfer over to take my class. So There's a lot of hoops to jump through. Uh, they weren't able to get enrolled in my class and they were a really nice couple of young, young people. And I was really disappointed they couldn't get in. And so after that, when that happened, I decided to follow through with, you know, teaching outside the classroom and starting the Pwn School project. And when I started it, I had the intent of teaching each meeting, doing the talk on my own. These were two monthly meetings, one in Dallas, Texas, and one in Denton, Texas, which eventually I started streaming those meetings in 2019, which worked out pretty well because when the pandemic hit, we had to go completely virtual. And so fortunately, a lot of people from the community wanted to help because, you know, not everyone has time to spend time on content creation like we do or, or hosting meetups and stuff. They have, you know, some time every now and then to do a talk or maybe do a workshop, but they can't commit to long-term things like that. So it was an opportunity to bring in others from the community to share their, their point of views. And so one of my goals is to take Pwn School more educational, kind of like the original intent and looking at something possibly in, in 2022 to start, you know, doing some more guided lecturing online free, free courses like that and uh, working with people to help them get started. So this is kind of something I wanted to do and it kind of will replace, you know, teaching at the college. And then DC 940 is used to be our, our Pwn School Denton meeting, but I rebranded and uh, by rebranding kind of what I kind of suspected it helped it brought in more people because people go look at the different local DEF CON groups when they move into a city looking for security groups. And so it drew more people because within the first meeting, we doubled the attendance of what we were having as Pwn School because we mm. went back in person back around May or so. And once we went to a DC 940, people found us easier and just the, just the simple rebranding kind of helped. And it just kind of, uh, kind of, shows the difference between the two meetings because they were kind of lumped into the same. And so part of the reason I started the DC 940 is Denton, Texas is my hometown. So I grew up there and I had some friends that worked in cybersecurity. There wasn't a cybersecurity community there. The closest thing was in Dallas. So people would have to drive to Dallas and that's not always feasible with people and families and other obligations. So that's where I started that. Uh, the Hacker Maker is like my weekly stream, which I'm kind of taking the break off until January, but I've been streaming once a week doing AMA style talks on pen testing as well as having guests on the show. I've had some people that are 
you know, they had just broken into pen testing or people trying to get into it, sharing their stories to help kind of motivate others. And let's see what else. I'll also, what, what, what about uh, your YouTube channel? Yeah. My YouTube channel, that's where uh, my streams, my weekly streams, the content from there is going up there. So my YouTube channel, it's under offensive, let's see, under offensive education is what mm -hmm. I've been titling the streams. So you can find those on there uh, as well. And then also I've got like a full semester or the whole semester of lectures that I did at Dallas college for the ethical hacking class I taught. It was based on Pentest plus, but what I also did in that course is I would share my real world experience and some different tools and things that, that I know of that wasn't covered in a book and just sharing, you know, my experience. So that's what I got going there. And 2022, I plan to focus a little more on some of the content creation. I got to do a walkthrough for the Try Hack Me Advent of Cyber this year, and that was a lot of fun. So it's got me kind of motivated to to get into more yeah. content creation. So I plan on having more stuff up there. It, you know, probably kind of uh, work with the the Pwn School evolution that I got going there. But also, before I forget about it too, I have a podcast called the Hacker Factory Podcast. And that's a really good one for people trying to get into security. Some of the guests I've had on there is, have been Alyssa Knight. Uh, I've had Dave Kennedy on there. I've had nice. Tiberius, John Hammond, Heath Adams, uh, Joe Helly. And then tomorrow I've got uh, Ip Ipsec. So Ipsec's episode. Yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, that's a, that's quite the lineup. Wow. I mean, that's, that's a very, you know, those, those are leaders in our offensive security space. Uh, no doubt. So what, you know, well done. What, what was the name of the, the show? The hacker factory, the hacker factory. Okay. I'll definitely yeah, check that out. It's uh, on ITSP magazine, but yeah, that one's been a good one. And the thing is too, we have, there are a lot of people that are well-known big names in industry and people have been in it a long time, but then I have some folks that hadn't been in it that long. I interviewed, uh, Lily Clark before she got into pen testing. Mm -hmm. and now, now she's a pen tester, not saying this had anything to do with it, but just some of the people I talk to from time to time, I'll see people that are really doing a good job that I think these stories would be helpful. And I have them on there or either my live stream. And I've, you know, had several people that have just have are out there and they have interesting stories and, and, you know, it's encouragement to help others. Cause I've seen, I have people all the time ask me, you know, I'm 30, I'm 40, I'm 50 years old. Am I too old to become a pen tester? And I had one of my guests that was on there that was an esthetician. She worked 20 years in the beauty industry and she made a total change into uh, cybersecurity, went to work as a pen tester. She got like a two-year degree in IT related uh, skills. And then she also got a degree in cybersecurity and her first job was in pen testing and she totally changed into a different direction. So even the stories of the people that have been in it that long or some of the lesser known people are or important stories to share as well. That's fantastic. Uh, so I want to point out, you know, those are all amazing projects. I know Phil is very active on Twitter, so you guys can catch him here. I see a bunch of questions in chat that we're not going to have an opportunity to get to. It's unbelievable how fast an hour can go when you're having a great conversation and chats, uh, you know, being awesome too. Uh, so Phil, before we say goodbye, uh, let me give you an opportunity to uh, you know, ha have your final word whatever you want, open, open, uh, door policy, go for it. Um, and you know, thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's an honor. And thanks for having me. But one of the things I want to tell folks too, and as, uh, Gerald mentioned earlier that, you know, 
pen testing and red teaming is the sexy thing in cybersecurity. But what I want to share with people is there's a lot of other cool areas of cybersecurity and we need defenders. I mean, we really need defenders in a bad way. And so you've got stuff like threat intelligence, threat hunting, incident response, digital forensics. There's a lot of cool areas. And so what I'd recommend is find something you like, you know, pick something you want to do and you're going to work harder at it. You're going to be more passionate about it. And, and don't just be hung up on the red team thing. And you don't have to start out there. You can start out red teaming or pen testing if you want to, but then you can also start out in other areas because there's a lot of people that work in blue team for a while and they switch. Uh, there's a guy that lives in Dallas, uh, David Cowan, that he's a consultant. He used to be a pen tester, but he got frustrated with clients not remediating the findings. And so he went into digital forensics. So he's investigating breaches and helping companies that way. And he sees that, what he's doing, he feels like it's got more value because people are acting on the reports and the information he gives them. So, and don't let anyone tell you, you can't do something Get out there and try it because sometimes people are jealous or they just don't understand how to get into the industry or can help you. So just, you know, do, do you know, do what you want to do and just, uh, you know, be motivated. And, and that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. All right. Whoop. All right. Well, thank you, Phil, very much. We'll see you. Uh, see you on the Hacker Factory, or yeah, the, is the Hacker Factory? Or yes, yes, yes Hacker, Hacker Factory. Factory we'll see you there. Thank you. Yeah, a lot, lot, lot of love uh, in chat on that. So I'm going to check it out. Thanks so much, Phil. All right, everybody. So uh, thank you very much uh, for being with us. Before we go, I do want to promote uh, a couple of things. For those of you who uh, have already been attending, you know what's going on. But every Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So every day of the week, I am doing a daily cybersecurity news threat briefing. Every morning, it's 20 minutes. We listen to the top news stories of the day. Um, we listen to a story. I pause. I break it down, give my, uh, you know, basically analysis and reflection on why it's important and what you can do about it if, if there is something to do, how you can help your end users, how you can use this information in an interview. Um, we have a good time with it. It's actionable and it's, it's, it's good. And we've been doing it uh, for about a month now and it's been well received. So if that's interesting to you, come on to Simply Cyber uh, and check out at the 8 a.m. Uh, situation. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Simply Cyber Live. Thank you so much to Phil Wiley for being my guest. Thank you to all of you for being just an absolute wonderful chat. You guys, you guys are what makes Simply Cyber really, really special. Uh, if you didn't get your question answered, please connect with Phil on social media, Twitter, LinkedIn. He's a great guy passionate about educating and he wants you to learn okay so that's going to do it for this week's episode we'll see you next time everybody take care <laughs>